0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Today on Inside Politics, firing back. Donald Trump is on a social media tear, sending dozens of posts and reposts slamming the court ruling that kicked him off the ballot in Colorado. His Republican rivals are, for the most part, standing with him. Plus, President Biden is grappling with a critical decision on Israel. The U.N. Security Council is set to vote on a resolution to stop the fighting in Gaza. big question, will the U.S. block it? And Congress is paralyzed. Uh, lawmakers heading home for the holidays after one of the most unproductive years in history. And 2024 might be even worse. I'm Jim Acosta and for Dana Bash. Let's go behind the headlines in Inside Politics. I want to start with Jack Smith responding to Trump's legal team trying to delay the January 6th case. The special counsel is stressing the gravity of the situation and urging the Supreme Court to immediately hear the dispute over presidential immunity. And CNN's senior crime and justice correspondent Caitlin Polance is following all the developments for us. Caitlin, what are we hearing about the special counsel's requests?
2: Well, Jim, the special counsel is back before the Supreme Court saying they want the Supreme Court to be looking at this question of presidential immunity now for the former president of the United States, whether he can be tried, whether he can be a criminal defendant, a legal issue that has to be determined before Donald Trump goes to trial. That trial is set for March in federal court in Washington. And so there's been a back and forth here of whether it's time for the Supreme Court to step in now to look at these legal issues and to decide them with some sort of finality about the immunity around the presidency, the protections around the presidency. And so now the Supreme Court could act at any moment. They could decide to take this case or not. If they choose not to, or if they sit on it, it is going to be an issue a legal issue that a intermediary court the DC circuit court of appeals already has teed up to be looking at in the beginning of january but there is a lot at stake here and the latest filing that came in from the justice department jim today argues that this is an issue of great constitutional moment they cannot be clearer that this is one of the most significant constitutional issues in criminal history for the country and that they want the Supreme Court to be dealing with it now, that it doesn't need to be going through these extra steps. Of course, Donald Trump says, well, we can delay because everything here is political.
1: Yeah. I mean, Caitlin, this is uh, turning into kind of a Donald Trump logjam at the Supreme Court, potentially right with the Colorado case. And who knows what else is out there? Maybe the documents case might present a Supreme Court issue. I mean, it it's piling up over there.
2: It is, uh, although there are very few issues in at least the criminal cases against Donald Trump that can actually go through the appeals process before a criminal trial. There are only a couple things that are so important to criminal defendants' rights that they have to be determined, and this is one of them, this presidential immunity question. So Donald Trump being tried in Florida, maybe there are some things that could find a way to the appeals courts, but very unlikely, because what is charged in that case about the documents, that happened after Trump was president. And so this presidential immunity issue, it's the one thing where Trump's team has this opening to argue, we don't need the case to go to trial right now. And the Justice Department is saying, no, the country needs clarity (laughs) because this is such an important issue of a former president on trial.
1: All right, Caitlin, I suspect it'll be a busy year For you in 2024, uh, if not the Supreme Court on on all of these issues. All right, Caitlin, thank you very much. Uh, Now to another Trump legal crisis. The former president is responding to the Colorado ruling that he's not eligible to run for president because of the 14th Amendment's insurrectionist ban. He just posted on Truth Social, quote, I'm not an insurrectionist. Crooked Joe Biden is. Uh, Trump loves the I know you are, but what am I defense? But there's only one president who tried to overturn an election and he's no longer in office on the 2024 campaign trail. Trump's Republican rivals are navigating how to talk about yet another Trump court case. The answer has mostly been to defend him, at least to a point. And this is wrong what Colorado did. Chaos does follow him, and we can't have a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. You don't defeat Democrat chaos with Republican chaos.
3: I think we should beat Donald Trump at the ballot box on the courtroom. And I don't think that it will end this era, which I think needs to end in our country of Donald Trump, uh, by courts doing it.
1: And Trump's legal jeopardy has dominated the primary race from start to finish. Governor Ron DeSantis says it's no coincidence that he's also dominating in the polls. I wish Trump hadn't been indicted on any of this stuff. It distorted the primary. Because it's helped him?
4: Is that what you're saying? It's both both that, but then it also has just crowded out, I think, so much other stuff, and it's
1: sucked out a lot of oxygen. I want to bring in my uh, political panel on all of this, CNN's Elena Treen, CNN's Jeff Zeleny, Tia Mitchell of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and CNN's uh, Manu Raju. Uh, So one day uh, Donald Trump says, I haven't read Mein Kampf. Uh, The next day he's saying, I'm not an insurrectionist. I mean, Jeff Zeleny, if I were the other candidates, I would be exhausted, too, talking about Donald Trump
4: exhausted and they're being crowded out i mean that's the biggest complaint yeah. and sort of observation you hear from these rivals who just every moment that they think they finally have sort of an inch to get their ideas and proposals out there another uh, donald trump headline crowds out everything so at the end of the day when you look at some of these responses to this the colorado supreme court ruling there is a bit of nuance in there as you said and the bottom line to all of this is nikki haley's been saying and ron DeSantis, when you sort of brush aside his conspiracy theories on this i've been saying that look do you want all of this drama again do you want 2024 to be playing out at the supreme court or should this be about you the challenge is though um at least in the republican primary the base is still very squarely behind donald trump and you know this has elevated him throughout the year uh one thing i noticed this morning when uh, the florida governor was out campaigning he said what if the indictments hadn't happened back in april what if alvin bragg hadn't indicted donald trump would this be a different race And it may be, actually. But, you know, ifs and buts, candy and nuts, as John Boehner used to say, uh, that is, you know, beyond the point.
1: Yeah, Elena, I mean, Donald Trump would not have as many victim cards to play if that were the case. But, I mean, take a look at this Des Moines Register uh, poll. Uh, Do Trump's statements make you uh, more likely to support him? Uh, It says more likely. 43 percent, the radical left thugs that live like vermin in the U.S. need to be rooted out. Uh, 43 percent more likely, 23 percent less likely. Immigrants are poisoning the blood of America, 42 percent, uh, more likely, 28 percent, less likely. I mean, yes, he's in all this legal jeopardy. The cases have sucked a lot of the oxygen out of the race. But he's throwing all of this toxic red meat to the base. They're eating it up. And he's I mean, that also is perhaps a, a big factor in why he has the support that he has right now.
5: Yeah, there's a couple of things. I mean, yeah. with the legal Challenges. There's no question that they have helped him with fundraising in the polls. Um, it's interesting. I remember uh, in the summer after the first slate of indictments that he had res- had come down against him, his team had actually questioned whether he would continue to enjoy a boost from uh, the legal issues that he was facing or if it would just be a short term uh, thing for them. And it's proven to outlast a lot longer than I think they were anticipating. But as for the red meat that he's throwing at these voters, I think it's important to remember that this isn't entirely new rhetoric from Donald Trump. In 2016, in 2020, we've seen him use the same type of anti-immigration, violent, dark rhetoric. If anything, though, it's become far more extreme and far more dark uh, now that it's in 2024. But you're right. They are responding very well to it.
1: Right. And and I mean, and we saw during the Trump administration, I mean, we saw the policies of family separation and so on. But Manu, I mean, one of the things that has also been a problem for the republican party is a lot of members of congress a lot of republican leaders don't know how to talk about this yeah and we're seeing this in some of the sound we just played a few moments ago from nikki haley to ron desantis they just don't know what to do with this yeah i mean what
6: are we in year eight of trump and they still (laughs) haven't quite figured out but look, that's not just reflected among the leadership on capitol hill which many of them on the senate side in particular want nothing to do with trump don't want to talk about trump the house republican side just push everything under the rug and align themselves with trump that that has played out but also it's reflecting on the campaign trail right i mean desantis haley and Christie have had much different strategies about how to deal with trump <clears throat> Christie has gone right after him attacked him said you know called him everything from right you know someone who's should not be part of the all you know not have off have the office again disgusting disgusting uh, that yeah. was the word i was looking for yeah but you know desantis has tried to go after him on the policy side haley's just mostly been said about, oh just you don't want all this chaos but none of it has really worked i mean yes haley has had some momentum but she's still very far behind, and, and they're right. Whenever there is a big controversy that happens to Donald Trump, he uses that to rally the base behind him, and these candidates feel like that they have to align with where the base is going.
1: Um, and that brings me to, uh, Tia, I wanna play a little soundbite from a guy named Joe Vise, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, an Iowa voter, and listen to what he has to say. Very interesting stuff.
4: I feel, let's get somebody else. You know, so that he's not our choice there. That's the bottom line. You know, is he, you know, the lesser of two evils, you know, and that's what it comes down to. If it's Trump and Biden again, you know, people are going to vote for Biden because they don't want Trump.
1: You know, T, I wonder, you know, as the politicians, as the leaders, as Manu was saying, the other candidates in the race are struggling how to talk about Donald Trump. I mean, here we have Joe Vice, kind of almost in Joe the Plumber mm-hmm. plain spokenness. Maybe it's Joe <laughs> the Electrician or the Farmer out in Iowa. I'm not sure, uh, but uh, kind of boiling it down, that at the end of the day, the voters may just say, "You know what? We had Donald Trump, as Monu was saying, for eight years. Let's do something different, or let's stick with Biden."
3: Yeah, I think what the voter is talking about is definitely the conversation about the general election and why Republicans are concerned that a Donald Trump nomination would make it easier for four more years of Joe Biden. But unfortunately, we are in primary time right now. And what we're hearing from Republican voters in the primaries in a lot of the early states is that they're sticking with Donald Trump. They like his rhetoric, or at least they're responding well to it. Um, the fact that he's playing the victim. They're responding to it. Donald Trump has shown he knows how to speak to his base and keep his support strong, quite frankly, and build support in some ways. So what message resonates with primary voters is one that benefits Trump. But the concern in the party is that that same message will not communicate well in a general election. And they don't have the solution for that.
4: I think one takeaway, though, is we end the in this pre-campaign year is that Joe Biden's uh, President Biden's challenges and weaknesses in many respects have elevated Donald Trump. I mean the beginning argument of this year was many of the candidates were like Trump can't beat Biden, but when you see polls showing that uh, they're either neck or neck and or uh, th- the former president is slightly ahead, that has elevated him. So I hear that out there a lot as well that the Trump can't beat Biden, but that's not a universal thought anymore. A lot of people who didn't necessarily like Trump also say, you know, they think he can beat But there's just but so
6: much uncertainty as we had into 2024. For sure. Given and is there an exhaustion
4: the, factor? Yeah, That's of
6: course there I, is. You know. there, and look, yeah. and it's because the trials are going to, when the, he has to go through, we're going to play out. I mean, I think the Supreme Court, what it decides to do in this, taking up this immunity case will have significant implications. But this legal calendar is going to play out all through 2024. He can lock up the nomination potentially by mid-March and these trials continue to play out. If there's a conviction, that could polls show that they have some impact on him, particularly in the general election. But what if he's acquitted? What if there's a mistrial? That could potentially give him a boost in some of these as
1: well. So yeah. there's just so much uncertainty. As we have in the next- and, 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 Elena, you're going out to a lot of these rallies. Thank goodness you're doing it. I'm not. <laughs> um, but when you talk to voters out there, are you talking to folks like Joe Vice, who we just played there a few moments ago, who are just... Yeah, they might like Trump's policies. Yeah, they might say to the Des Moines Register, sure, I like some of the things that he says, but they're just exhausted by him and they just want to move on.
5: So at Trump's rallies, those people are few and far between. Uh, The people who go to Donald Trump's rallies are the ones who are very, very pro-Trump, people who have never gone to a political event before in their lives, but they're coming for Donald Trump. Someone I just spoke to uh, in Reno, Nevada over the weekend uh, had given me a similar story. But at some of the other events I go to, the ones where there's um, a a ton of candidates at the same type of event, that's where you start to hear some of the same um, commentary that Joe Vise was saying. I remember there was this one woman who said that she has gone to several, you know, to uh, some Ramoswan, To Haley events, to DeSantis events, she's trying to find someone who could be the alternative. Um, And I do think there's a lot of people who are concerned that they really don't want Joe Biden to continue to be president. And they do worry that if Donald Trump wins, that'll effectively allow Joe Biden to to have a much
3: easier run at it. And that's why there's concern about trying to coalesce around one alternative to Trump instead of several. Um, Right now, none of those kind of those fighting for second place, particularly DeSantis and Haley, neither one wants to leave the race. Chris Christie has indicated he doesn't want to get out. And without that, they're able to split the never-Trump field, if you will, and he appears to be stronger. The question is, in some of those early voting states, if he stays below 50%, I think there will be more pressure to say, let's find one candidate to go up against Donald Trump, and maybe they can get all those other votes in the pot and push them over 50%. That's an if, and that'll depend how he does in Iowa and New Hampshire, but I think we're going to hear some of that if, if he maybe doesn't meet some of the big expectations he and his campaign has now set for himself in early voting states.
1: Absolutely, and talk about something we've seen for seven or eight years, a fractured field benefiting Donald Trump. I mean, it's, it's happening all over again. Guys, uh, stick with us, uh, more to come. Uh, coming up next, uh, the UN Security Council is expected to vote on a resolution calling for a pause in the war in Gaza. President Biden is still grappling with whether the US will sign on, that's next.
0: There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff, and some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts.
1: President Biden is facing a crucial decision on the Israel-Hamas war. The U.N. Security Council is expected to vote today on a resolution calling for a pause in fighting in Gaza to allow a surge of humanitarian aid to get in. But it's still unclear if the U.S. will support it. The vote has already been delayed three times this week, As President Biden worries, it could be seen as a rebuke to Israel's response to the brutal Hamas terror attack on October 7th. And CNN's Priscilla Alvarez is over at the White House for us. Uh, Priscilla, uh, this is a, a big test for this White House. What can you tell us?
7: It is. And President Biden said himself that they're still talking about it, they're still negotiating which suggests, Jim, that it is still an unresolved matter here at the White House. Now, as you mentioned, this is a vote that has been delayed multiple times amid diplomatic wrangling. And some of the key sticking points are, for example, uh, that the U.S. needs to see specific condemnation uh, of Hamas as part of the resolution. The other concern is that this would slow humanitarian aid into Gaza with U.N. monitoring. Now, Secretary of State Antony Blinken has expressed some optimism. He said just yesterday uh, that they expect, or he's hopeful, to get to, quote, a good place. But of course, Jim, all of this comes against the backdrop of the growing death toll in Gaza. And U.S. officials have said that they expect Israel to transition to a more precise uh, military operation, one that targets Hamas leadership. But they are still waiting and in discussion with Israel uh, about avoiding civilian casualties. And that those are the types of, the, of results that the U.S. wants to see him where they have pressure from the international community and here domestically to make sure that that is the case moving forward. But of course, the big question uh, moving forward, or at least for today, is what happens with this vote?
1: And Priscilla, you're learning about a significant call the president had this morning. What can you tell us?
7: That's right. Uh, President Biden and Mexico's President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador were on the phone this morning about the situation on the U.S. southern border. Now, sources tell me that the White House has been wanting to place additional pressure on Mexico to drive down the number of migrants who are reaching the U.S. southern border. We have seen over the last few days that there have been more than 10,000 migrants crossing the border each day. That is a significant strain on federal resources that is raising alarm bells internally. In fact, just yesterday Current and former uh, Homeland Security officials were telling me that this could be the breaking point for the U.S.-Mexico border. And clearly the White House sees this as a priority with the president getting on the phone this morning with the Mexican president.
1: Uh, That is a very important phone call indeed. All right, uh, Priscilla, thank you very much. And my uh, great panel of reporters, uh, that's back with me. Uh, Jeff Selney, I mean, this this is an issue. Uh, For President Biden, you were talking about this in the previous segment, that there are just these issues that are weighing down the president. It's giving Trump some daylight to make this a tight race. It's going to continue to make it a tight race. Let's show this uh, Quinnipiac poll on uh, the president's response to Israel and Hamas approved 34 percent. That was uh, higher uh, just back in November. Um, And it's obviously gone down since then. Uh, Your sense of it right now, Jeff.
4: Look, it's a big challenge uh, for this White House, without question. Uh, you know, and we can look at this demographically across the uh, slices of voters. Uh, young voters have big concerns uh, what the White House is doing here. I mean, we can see it. We can feel it. All the elected officials we talked to. And it's not just young voters. I mean, we have seen the just absolute brutality um, that obviously happened on um, October 7th, but then um, against of Palestinians in the wake of that so look the White House is limited in one respect of what they can do we have seen the president's tone shift dramatically yeah. from the beginning there in the early days of October 7th that we've seen his administration he has sent virtually every top official over to the region uh, essentially to uh, keep an eye on uh, the government there and the military there as well but the White House knows this is a problem uh, but again this is the challenge for any sitting president they must deal with what happens around the world and this is uh, it's not a quagmire But it's a major challenge for him that they would like to extract themselves from.
1: Yeah, and Manu, and the White House is hearing from members of Congress and the Democratic Party. Yeah, a growing number of members of Congress, not just
6: ones on the far left who have been pretty outspoken against Israel's action really from the start, but even some of the more mainstream members who want to push back against what the Netanyahu government. You've seen that reflected in some of the president's tones and some of his actions, but not as far as, as a lot of Democrats would like. But the challenge for Biden will be the second that he starts to move more towards the Democratic position, and he's gonna keep getting hammered by Republicans. And a lot of Republicans were supportive of the president right off the bat in his resolute support right. for Israel. The second you back off of that, that becomes a real challenge. And when you point to the real question about what do you deal with a how do you deal with aid to israel there is just a growing push within the democratic party for some conditionality on providing aid providing it humanitarian aid to folks well in gaza and that's going to complicate things as the u.s tries to figure out a way to unite behind israel at
1: this key moment and yet i mean despite all the talk about the polling and how things haven't been going so well for president biden at the same quinnipiac poll among registered voters that shows the race is still very tight between president biden and Donald Trump, Biden leading, I I believe, by one percentage point in that latest Quinnipiac poll. And this is something, uh, Tia, that the uh, Biden campaign just put out, uh, this uh, campaign post, uh, comparing Trump uh, to Adolf Hitler. I mean, this is something that the the campaign is just diving in headfirst on this and making it very clear, Trump parroting Hitler, we will root out my political opponents, live like vermin within our country. And then a, a, a quote from Hitler, Jews are vermin and pests that must be exterminated and so on. And so, I mean, we heard the president talk about this to some extent yesterday when he was out on the tarmac uh, when he was in Wisconsin. He hasn't talked about this a whole lot publicly uh, in front of the cameras, but the campaign has been saying, you know what, we're gonna draw these comparisons.
3: Absolutely, because again, the campaign knows that for all of Biden's kind of downsides and the challenges in the polling, the challenges he faces trying to run the country, There's a big segment of the U.S. population that is fearful and concerned what four years under Donald Trump would look like. And Donald Trump, quite frankly, keeps giving them fresh examples to be worried about. And so these latest comments he's made about immigrants and and using language that does, if not directly quote Hitler, evokes Some of the messaging that we heard from hitler that led to the holocaust and all these other atrocities people like i don't want that as our president so the biden campaign and we can expect them to pull out all these things as we head towards the general election if donald trump is the nominee and what they're telling voters is decide is this who you want as your president
1: yeah and i and i asked tom nichols with the atlantic over this past weekend. Why hasn't Biden been more forceful about this, talking about this out in front of the cameras? And so he had made a very uh, interesting comment about this. Let me play it uh, and I'll talk to you about it on the inside. Right I think if the president went out there
4: every single day and said,
1: here's the crazy thing uh, Donald Trump said today, and here's how I condemn it. Um, by the time we reach next November, Americans are just tuned out. they they're just will be um, overloaded with it. I think when you're dealing with somebody like Donald Trump, you have to be careful about amplifying his message and you have to pick your shots. Yeah. Elena, what do you think about that?
5: I mean, it's an interesting argument. And I think he's right in the sense that, you know, a lot of people have Trump fatigue. You hear it's the same thing we're seeing with a lot of these, um, court cases that he's facing. It's definitely the same thing with a lot of the rhetoric, you know, to have a former president, uh, parrot language of Adolf Hitler is something that I think no one would anticipate, but some people are shrugging it off or don't give it as much um, you know, scrutiny because it's coming from the mouth of Donald Trump and he's known to say very crazy things. I think one other point that I just think is very worth making here um, about the Biden argument as well is um, a lot of this rhetoric from Donald Trump is also coming as the media is increasingly scrutinizing uh, his comments on um, dictators and, and things like that. And also this question of whether he would an authoritarian leader himself in a second term. We've also heard him in his rallies um, over the past couple weeks now talking, praising, really, Vladimir Putin, uh, Kim Jong-un, the Prime Minister of Hungary, Viktor Orban. Um, Just another example of, I think, where we've started to see the Biden campaign as well really jump in and try to draw um, some, really play up, I guess, some of these comments coming from Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're Joe Biden, if you're the Biden campaign, why get involved in this uh, discussion, let Donald Trump do all the damage to himself. I mean, you know, you could have a lot of the focus right now, Manu, be on uh, how the economy is doing, how Biden is doing in Israel. And then Trump goes out there and starts saying, I want to be dictator for day one and echoing Adolf Hitler. Sure. I think you do have to
6: pick your spots. The question for the Biden team is, is it enough just to not be Donald Trump to win re-election? Or do you need to have some sort of proactive message, talk about what the exact vision is for the next few years and what exactly that agenda is. And does that matter? And then that's, you know, Trump, of course, has rewritten the rules of politics. So maybe it's just not being Trump is good enough. But we'll see. The polls show that it's still a close race as they've just tried to draw that contrast. But maybe that's not enough. We'll see. But the
4: contrast works better, they think, than anything else. So until the economy improves or something, uh, they're trying to get Democrats back home. That's what they need to do first.
1: And Biden, maybe Seeing that happen uh, courtesy of Donald Trump and what he's been saying lately. All right, guys, uh, more to come. Uh, Thanks so much. Coming up, a paralyzed Congress. Got almost nothing done this year. You probably didn't notice that because they just didn't do a whole lot. Uh, What went wrong? And is there any reason to hope that 2024 will be a lot different? At the start of 2023, it took the House 15 votes and an altercation on the House floor before Republicans managed to elect a speaker. Remember this? video that will live in infamy, Uh, a speaker who would be thrown out of the job less than eight months later, leading to a weeks-long standoff over his replacement with all the turmoil in the Republican-led House. It is no surprise, take a look at this, uh, that Congress hasn't gotten much done. Uh, It's even worse than you may think. This do-nothing Congress has passed just 27 bills that became law this year, by far the fewest in the first year of Congress uh, in decades. That goes all the way back, I believe, to 1995. Uh, The frustration within Congress even had House Republicans going after their own leadership. Take take a listen. One thing.
3: I want my Republican colleagues to give me one thing. One. That I can go campaign on and say we did. One.
1: Just one. Uh, Let's bring back our panel. Uh, to talk about this very unproductive year up on Capitol Hill. That does not apply to you, Monarch. <laughs> yes. You've been extremely productive uh, Yeah, year. Them
6: being unproductive makes our life action this
1: year. Strange. That's true. That's true. This <laughs> I mean, fights and... Uh, I didn't even mention George Santos.
6: Yeah, I know. Seriously, it's been a, wide, a wild year. Look, I mean, the big thing that they did this year was to avoid a debt default. And that is supposed to be the job of Congress, right? Not (laughs) plunge the country into a global economic catastrophe. But they did it. But guess what? They just did it. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. And they had to (laughs) come back and deal with it in the Fall because that's the long they extended it for. Look, they are setting up a real disastrous situation when they return in January. Because not only did the Speaker of the House, when he came, the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, after Kevin McCarthy was thrown out, he agreed to extend government funding for a short period of time, up until January and February. Two separate deadlines he set up, which is kind of unusual. But that's what you heard Chip Roy there on the floor. He was yelling about that decision to extend government funding without spending cuts. So Johnson's going to have to make a decision coming in how to deal with that. If he goes the way of Chip Roy that could will provoke a fight with the White House and Democrats and we can lead to a shutdown fight all over again if he doesn't go that way he will face that backlash on the right and we didn't even talk about Dealing with the crisis of the southern border, and the Republicans say that must be dealt with first before Ukraine and Israel aid can ride along with it, and getting a deal on immigration policy is so complicated. Meantime, Ukraine aid is desperately needed by the end of January, most likely. Can they get all that done in this unproductive Congress? There's a lot of expectation that they can't.
1: They're demanding that border security get done, but then they left town also. Until Uh, January 8th. Until January 8th. (laughs) Uh, Tia, I mean, I, you write for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is this is what makes people's blood boil outside Absolutely. the beltway.
3: Absolutely, because I mean, there are so many things that are like on the second tier: the farm bill, the federal aviation um, reauthorization, foreign surveillance, you know, AI and policy that is really not even being touched. Like you know, there are hearings here and there, but it's not getting the time because even the pressing issues aren't being done. And I think. Quite frankly, that Chip Roy video we're going to see over and over again because people tune into Congress, and what do they see? They see a fight over the speaker. They see uh, a- an investigation of the president of Harvard and whether she plagiarized something, and and they see impeachment investigations of the president. Whereas they're like where are you actually doing things that are gonna help me and my family and affect our pocketbooks? That's not what they're seeing, particularly in the House.
1: Yeah, and Jeff Zeleny, I mean, let's show this on screen. At least 9% of Congress will be gone uh, next January. I mean, you have people leaving the the Congress in
4: droves I mean, Uh, right now the retirements are huge. I mean, as well knows, many of the people he's stocking up there won't be around next year. (laughs) they will be former members, and that has. And then become
6: lobbyists, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, they may be around in
4: different places. Look, I mean, but that sort of gets to all of this. I mean, it uh, certainly leads to the uh, dysfunction. So many new faces up there. There's less incentive to actually get things done. Uh, You know, but we hear very little being discussed about uh, the housing crisis in America. Yeah. AND JUST A VARIETY OF OTHER ISSUES. So, MASS SHOOTINGS. WELL, FOR yeah, SURE. Yeah. I MEAN, SO, so IT IS, IT CERTAINLY LEADS TO SORT OF JUST LIKE A LEVEL OF uh, DISGUST and, AND A CYNICISM IN WASHINGTON. THAT BECOMES A BIG THING NEXT YEAR. I um, IT LEADS TO THIRD PARTIES AND OTHER THINGS. SO uh, I THINK THE RETIREMENT IS CERTAINLY A BIG STORY AT THE END OF THE YEAR. Um, SOME OF THEM WERE SURPRISING.
1: AND ELENA, YOU'RE IN, you're in TOUCH WITH A LOT OF THE uh, HOUSE CONSERVATIVES uh, mm-hmm. AMONG YOUR SOURCES. And, you know, one of the issues that is driving a lot of this is Trump, is it not? I mean, Kevin McCarthy would not have been in the fix that he was in during all of last year, all this past year, if it had not been for Donald Trump.
5: No, I mean, there's no question that Donald Trump is still the most influential Republican leader. Um... In the country. Yeah. And I think, you know, with a lot of the talk about Congress not getting things done next year, the thing that I keep hearing from a lot of people, Republicans, um, Democrats alike, is that it's an election year. If they thought they couldn't get things done this year, why do they expect that in an election year when so much of the oxygen is going to be consumed um, around what will happen in November, change, you know? Somehow change things so that they're actually more productive, especially when, of course, all these summers. It's not just a presidential election. You have people down the ballot um, in the in the House and in the Senate. Some really crucial races that people are up for. They're going to be can- campaigning on. I don't understand why people think that maybe next year will be different. Yeah,
6: I mean that's such a good point because in an election year, things always get harder because you have people with different calculations. You have people worrying about their primary politics. People worrying in swing districts and swing states, worrying about the general election politics. And that they're
3: means- also just not in Washington. Yeah, and they're,
6: exactly. Yeah. They're on the campaign show. So, if you're trying to get like a major deal of like immigration, which Republicans have made it central to campaigning on, what is the chance of you can see them even coming to a compromise, something that? Undoubtedly, Donald Trump's going to come out and bash if there's a compromise to get that through the Senate. And then the House, which has taken a much harder position, hardline position on immigration, than any compromise that can get out of the Democratic-led Senate, which leads to a lot of questions about these key, huge issues. Can they get it done in an election year? It's going to get so much harder.
1: Yeah, it's not going to be fun to be uh, Mike Johnson, a.k.a. MAGA Mike, as, they, as he's been dubbed, the Speaker of the
3: House. Right. And quite frankly, when we look at This next year with this new speaker, not really being empowered from the hardliners to do much negotiating, but not having an even slimmer majority with some of the members that left midterm trying to get anything done. But then we look at the 2024 elections with the loss of institutional knowledge. And quite frankly, there could be more hardliners elected from the Republican Party, making it even harder for Republicans to govern in the years to come. It's a really tough spot.
1: Yeah, this was a year when Marjorie Taylor Greene was not the most outrageous (laughs) member of Congress. That was George Santos. And a very influential one. That's right. Absolutely. All right, guys, uh, great discussion. Thanks very much. Uh, Coming up, why the Voting Rights Act could determine who wins control of the House next year. Our new reporting is next. The biggest factor in who wins control of the House next year might not have anything to do with the economy or abortion. Instead, it could be all about the maps, the district lines that decide who votes for who. A handful of states are up against the clock with legal battles looming ahead of next year's elections. Democrats contend Republicans across the South have manipulated maps to preserve their dominance at the expense of voters of color. Republicans accuse Democrats of trying to weaponize the Voting Rights Act for their own political gain. And CNN's Frederica Scouten uh, has some new reporting uh, for us on this. And if I were to build a show of most important stories to least important stories, we would have done you at the top of the show. Because this is the thing that flies under the radar, but it is so essential to our democracy.
8: It absolutely is. And yeah. we are seeing enormous fights going on over every single line, every single boundary in this country, because the stakes are so high. I mean, who controls Congress next year could very well be determined by this.
1: Mm. And, and talk about, let's talk about some of these maps that we have to look at here. Alabama, uh, the Alabama redistricting case has been pivotal and uh, leading the way for other court cases. I mean, this has been fascinating to watch.
8: It has been. You know, the Supreme Court in recent years has been chipping away at the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And so it was a big surprise back in June when they upheld a lower court that said to Alabama Republicans who control the state legislature, look, you have... About, 30%, no, about 27% of your population is African-American, but only one of your congressional districts is majority black. You need to draw another yeah, one. Let's
1: look at this on the map here. If we can show this to our viewers and explain this.
8: Yeah, so this is the map to the far left. You will see in 2020, that's the map that was used. And you can see in orange that that's the majority black population. Only mm-hmm. one district uh, was a majority black. Um, the legislature came at it again, Um, they redrew a map, and it looked pretty much the same. So both sides went to court, fought about this, it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And finally, um, a court-ordered map, you can see the yellow area, has significantly boosted the black population. And this is the map that's going to be used in the 2024 elections. And it will potentially give Alabama, for the very first time in state history, two black lawmakers in the U.S. House of Representatives.
1: Two seats instead of one.
8: Two seats instead of one and potentially two Democrats. Um, And so that's a change. And again, it's so hard fought because every single seat is mattering this year.
1: And this really could determine the uh, balance of power in the House of Representatives.
8: Exactly. Yeah. We know that the margins are so thin in the U.S. House. We've seen, you know, recently that chaotic fight over who was going to be House Speaker was a was a sign of how thin those margins are. And so you're seeing in state after state fights like these playing out um, and we're going to see a bunch more in the weeks ahead.
1: And we're getting down to the wire with uh, some primaries fast approaching. What states are we watching?
8: We're watching Georgia right now, a federal judge right now is trying to decide whether a map that was recently drawn by Republicans in the state legislature complies with his order to create another black majority district in the Atlanta area. Now why does this matter? they created an extra district, you could potentially have another Democratic pickup in, in Georgia.
1: All right. Fascinating. All right, Frederica, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to go to a quick break and then some breaking news on Rudy Giuliani. He is declaring bankruptcy. Uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. All right. The breaking news into CNN right now. Rudy Giuliani has filed for bankruptcy. Let's go straight to CNN's Caitlin Polance. Uh Tell us more.
2: Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing from Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York, the former lawyer to Donald Trump after the election, he is saying that his debts are outstanding and he has quite a bit he's buried under debt he wants help from the court to restructure that and what's happening in court is he's revealing how much debt he has now we learned about that judgment just a few days ago that massive defamation judgment where ruby freeman and shay Moss were awarded almost 150 million dollars by the jury to be paid by rudy giuliani to the best of his abilities it's very unlikely he's able to get rid of that in bankruptcy but he also owes accountants lawyers he has other pending lawsuits against him and almost a million dollars in unpaid federal and state taxes
1: all right Jim. a dark day for uh, the man who was once referred to as america's mayor of course, that is no more uh, Caitlin Polance, uh Thank you very much. And stay tuned to CNN. We'll have more on all of this breaking news throughout the day here on CNN. So stay with us for that. In the meantime, thanks very much for joining Inside Politics. I'm Jim Acosta. CNN News Central starts
0: after the break. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high quality sleep every night. Sleep next level.